Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. I want to read something to you to see if you're interested. Here we are, quote, it's come to the attention of us that the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board is proposing to open a mutual fund window in June. By doing so, it would make available to thrift saving plan participants the opportunity to invest up to a quarter of their savings in 5,000 mutual funds. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is those 5,000 mutual funds include a lot of Chinese companies who, who aim to actually hurt America, American citizens, and, and, and have companies aimed at building things that destroy, would, uh, would uh, kill and maim uh, American soldiers and sailors. Uh, so that's why this innocuous piece of paper from the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board matters to us. Uh, and joining me, who, to sh- who shares the concern, is Frank Gaffney, my old friend and, and frequent <laughs> partner on his show, Securing America on Real America's Voice. Frank was founder, is founder of the Center for American Security Policy and vice chairman of the Committee for Present Danger China. Also joining is Roger Robinson, who's also a member of the, uh, and I think a founder, Roger, of the uh, uh, Committee for uh, Present Danger China. And Roger's got an extensive career on Wall Street. Uh, started out with David Rockefeller, uh, back in the day at Chase Bank, worked in the Reagan administration, has extensive subject matter knowledge of capital markets, mutual funds, and uh, how investor dollars should and or are and should be employed. So, Roger, welcome. Frank, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Uh, uh, Frank, why don't you kick this off and frame the issue? Um, I, I, I teed it up a little bit, but why don't you give us some more color here? Well, you, I think, hit the key pieces of it, Bill. Um, the United States financial sector has been putting the funds of American investors writ large into Chinese Communist Party-owned and controlled companies uh, for quite some time now. Um, the exact amount of the transfer of wealth that it represents is uh, somewhat of a matter of speculation. I, I've heard as uh, low a number as $3 trillion, um, as high a number as 7 or $8 trillion. But whatever the exact amount is, what is clear is such funding transfers have translated into our underwriting of the unrestricted warfare that the greatest danger this country has ever faced, namely the Chinese Communist Party, has been uh, mounting and intensifying uh, in the past 20 plus years. Um, Roger Robinson, our friend and colleague, um, is a man who has studied this matter closely. He's actually not a member of the Committee on the Present Danger China, just for the record, but he has been a very formidable influence on its work because we have made something that he's been warning about, well, going back to the era when he worked for Ronald Reagan as his senior 
director on the National Security Council staff for international economic affairs, that you must not provide cash flow to hostile nations. Back in the day, the Soviet Union, today, the CCP, as it's called. Um, so I'm delighted to have him with us to expand upon uh, the challenge that we're facing here at the macro level. And specifically, Bill, as you said, the extreme inadvisability, not to say outrage, that America's men and women in uniform and other patriotic government employees might soon find their investments in their retirement savings mm -hmm. going into some of these dangerous Chinese companies, uh, human rights abusers, uh, national security threats and the like. Well, Roger, how, how does this work? My understanding is there's a basket of mutual funds uh, that include about 6,700 individual companies and they're located all over the world. And then included in that would be about 99% of the investable equity market. And it's interesting, China in that is on the list as an included country among developing countries. The, find, the idea that China is developing is a fairly comical one, and only the federal government might think that. It's, it's lodged right in between Chile and Colombia as a developing country. So, Roger, what's, uh, how's this working, and, and how, do we, uh, how, how do we evaluate this and do something about it? Well, Bill, uh, there's a history to this, as you know. Two years ago, we faced a similar circumstance with the federal thrift savings plan. Uh, the same board of five, generally former Wall Street uh, figures uh, sitting on it. Uh, there was an effort to change the index that basically governs the international fund of the TSP, the Thrift Savings Plan. Uh, they were going to move it uh, to the MSCI, All Country World, XUS to be precise. But the problem there is it was replete with Chinese corporate uh, bad actors, including those sanctioned by the United States for egregious national security and human rights violations. We brought this to the attention of President Trump and Capitol Hill. Uh, there was a bipartisan uh, expression of outrage and kind of disbelief that you'd have uh, Chinese military companies uh, being placed, as Frank pointed out, in the portfolios of our, of our sitting uh, service men and women uh, in uniform. Uh, you can understand the irony. They would have no idea that their retirement dollars were going to be funding the advanced weapon systems designed uh, to kill them and arguably their families. So this is just one element, the human rights angle of genocide, concentration camps, uh, trafficking in slave labor are also implicated and that was the case two years ago. It was narrowly stopped by President Trump, but it was stopped and abruptly. And there was an instruction that there be no Chinese companies in the federal thrift savings plan. Well, over this period, Wall Street didn't want to take no for an answer. And we basically found that they had selected a new index that included Hong Kong companies as though Hong Kong is other than just another Chinese city today after the strangulations of freedom there. So we have 35 Chinese companies in the international fund of the thrift savings plan now. This new so-called mutual fund window 
that's going to be initiated in June multiplies that very to a, a, an alarming degree because as you pointed out, uh, these companies, I mean, these funds uh, which have international and emerging market exposure are generally speaking, holding Chinese companies. And again, there's been no differentiation here between well, those sanctioned bad actors and what you might think of as a more benign Chinese company. Well, you, you, you mentioned Wall Street, that's euphemistic for, that's euphemism for BlackRock. Well, and if, if you look at the recent minutes of this committee, um, Kimberly Weaver features large in it. She's one of the, I think, chief operating officer and spokesman for it. And she she talked about BlackRock for a couple couple paragraphs there about how well they were doing. They were eleven basis points over the uh, over the other indexes over the indexes. And so we it's it, there's a specific bad actor here, and it's what BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street and the other big mutual funds are doing to influence this. There's another aspect of this though that's not just the problem investing in Chinese companies, but also, there's no oversight of the Chinese companies by the, uh, what is it, the PCAOB, which is the Pension uh, uh, Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. And so even if you've got a Chinese company that is pure as driven snow, uninvolved in, in national security, you still don't know what their financials are. And China is the only country that falls outside of that, outside of that oversight, and that's another big problem. It's a black box, Bill. And... Uh... The sad fact is there's not one Chinese company in the portfolios of scores of millions of unwitting American retail investors that is in compliance with U.S. federal securities laws. I mean, that's a fact. Uh, Sarbanes-Oxley being the most prominent for the PCAOB angle that you just referenced. So even from a fiduciary and risk management perspective, it's a failing grade. Uh, not to mention, again, the human rights and national security dimensions. And as you could see from the minutes of the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board meetings, they understand the problem that, that a company's not, one, having ever identified who these mutual funds are, two, zero diligence performed, three, no disclosure of material risks uh, intended uh, for the TSP participants, so, you know, they, they basically said it's too costly and it, it would require too many resources to do so. Last time I checked, that's not a very good excuse. Well, this is not an agendaless driven exercise on the part of the Wall Street firms I, I referenced. They're eager, and BlackRock has already gone in with a wholly owned, uh, wholly owned entity, as I understand it now. They're eager to get their hands on the investment dollars of the 400, 450 million Chinese with some savings right now, they're mainly in Chinese banks, and and they want to help. Uh, they want to help <laughs> help in that, and it's a gold mine for these companies if they can get into the Chinese market. So that's, I think, part of the reason they don't want to exclude Chinese companies from the index, and why they've been lobbying this so hard. Frank, well, I think that is part of it, Bill. Uh, greed operates uh, clearly, um, but I, I think you you mentioned an agenda. And I think uh, BlackRock's uh, CEO, Larry Fink, does indeed have an agenda. And that agenda is not simply mutating beyond recognition uh, the financial 
sector of the United States uh, with his so-called environment, uh, social governance agenda, ESG, um, he is also deeply committed to uh, this partnership with China and whether it's getting access to Chinese savings or whether it's just migrating the savings of Americans to China. Uh, it doesn't seem to uh, be clearly the former and not the latter. Indeed, he's said he thinks American investors should treble three times, treble the size of their investment in China at this point. And I, I guess really, Bill, the thing that, of course, our committee on the present danger China, of which we're very proud to have you as a member as well, uh, is so seized with is this isn't happening in a strategic vacuum. This is happening in an environment when, uh, where these uh, entities, Rogers described, um, are actually enabling. And, and, and whether they're working directly for the People's Liberation Army or whether they're part of the surveillance state apparatus of communist China um, and engage, therefore, in, in facilitating, enabling, otherwise aiding and abetting human rights abuses, including genocide, or whether they're just so-called uh, civil uh, or uh, private sector uh, companies in China, they all work for the Chinese Communist Party, well, without how do, exception. How does the Chinese Communist Party, I mean, we, we talk about Chinese companies and what's the mechanism, Roger or Frank, through which they, the Chinese Communist Party controls these companies? There are two, Bill, that come to mind right off the bat. Article seven of the national securities law, national security law uh, in China requires all companies of that country, even the quasi fraudulent private sector companies to basically um, be available on demand from the communist party to be in effect weaponized. That is used for intelligence gathering uh, to assist the Chinese PLA, uh, anything that they have in mind uh, those companies must adhere to uh, those instructions. And second, uh, they've actually put Communist Party cells in the senior management structures of all Chinese companies. It's very hard to find an exception. Well, guess why they're there? They're not there because of the coffee and donuts at board meetings. Uh, they are there to basically ensure that those companies are compliant with the strategic and military aims of the Chinese Communist Party. So, so, so this is a little bit like the old pol the political officers we'd see on all the movies with the Soviet uh, I'm sorry. Two, two, two people, two people running the submarine, the captain and the and the political affairs officer. The hunt for Red October. There it is. Yeah. yeah. So the the uh, but the, as I understand it, the what is it? Section seven or section? Which one? What's the Article argument? seven of the Article seven. Article. That also extends to individual Chinese, doesn't it, operating or living outside of, of mainland China? It does. And I should frame that uh, just to correct myself. It's the national intelligence law, not the national security law, which can be confused with Hong Kong. Uh, so, yes, uh, the, you know, there's no there's no Chinese citizen who is a free agent here, uh, particularly if they're operating in the United States. They are interviewed and they are instructed as required by the CCP to carry out missions as the party deems indicated. 
Well, and our enemy here is the Chinese Communist Party, not necessarily the Chinese people. But if you're just a regular Chinese Chinese person living outside of China, the party still expects you to be uh, helpful to their cause. So it's 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 a really uh, a ugly situation. Well, Bill, in so, a way, just just to add to that point, uh, it's it's almost certainly the case, especially if you're a student here, and there have been something on the order of three hundred thousand Chinese nationals here as students, you've actually been selected by the party to go to the United States. Uh, there are some who've you know, fled uh, successfully uh, Chinese misrule, but by and large, people here in this country from China have the authority uh, of the party to be here. And secondly, whether they expect it or they don't expect it, they will compel you to conform to their dictates even here in the United States, by threatening your family, all of whom are still left at home. Not all necessarily, but enough. And that's a reason that I think, again, we're looking at this uh, monstrous regime using and weaponizing every instrument at its disposal for the purposes that we've talked about, which are destroying the United States. So Roger, Kimberly Weaver tells us that it's way too hard to oversee which mutual funds own which security and that uh, it's just too much work to exclude these companies. Uh, I don't buy it, but what do you think? I mean, how much work would it be to exclude Chinese companies from these indexes? Well, my firm has done precisely this. Uh, we've looked at all the indices and identified those Chinese companies. We've looked at all of the exchange traded funds that benchmark against those indices. I mean, I, we can do it as a private sector firm and have done. So the notion that this kind of critical risk-related diligence is too hard and that we're okay putting the re hard-earned retirement dollars of our military into black boxes that may well have PLA stamped on them is, is an outrage. In that connection, it's interesting that the Biden administration, much less the Trump administration before it, issued an executive order in June of last year, executive order 14032, that termed the notion of Chinese companies tied to the, the PLA and the military and tied to surveillance technologies in any way as a quote, national emergency and has issued capital market sanctions, excluding such companies from even being held by American persons at the threat of violation of law. So how can it be a national emergency in the view of the president and have the same president presiding over this fiduciary irresponsibility of the type that you're discussing right now. So, so how do we how do we how do we uh, stop this? And, and do we have a deadline? We do have a deadline. We're not sure exactly when it is in June, but I can tell you, June is upon us. And the what I think we need to go for because of that, Bill, is a postponement. I mean, we need to take the time to do the diligence to to get the answers empirically so that we know precisely what we're looking at. At an absolute minimum, that has to be done. If they try to move forward in this non-disclosure, non-transparent, 
milieu that they've got going now, that can only tell you one thing. We're being stampeded into a non-transparent, covered up event for the very reasons that you mentioned in terms of Wall Street's greed-driven salivating over getting their hands on the savings of the Chinese people and all of the other fees, which are very fat fees, as you know, that are involved with the China portfolio. We can't have greed supersede our fundamental values, our national security, and the protection of retail U.S. investors. How many Congress, I think we've got a fair number of congressmen that are aligned with us on that. Can you, maybe we ought to be thinking about reaching out and supporting them. Absolutely, yeah, that's underway as we speak. In fact, Frank and- I think, and Ru I think Rubio, Rubio's come out to who else, Lee, Mike Lee, who else has come out on, uh, on this? Uh, Tom issue? Cotton, uh, uh, Tuberville has come out yeah. and, and we're expecting a bipartisan letter to emerge from the Senate with, uh, with any good fortune in the near, in the near term, uh, again, truly bipartisan, to demonstrate that this kind of sleight of hand is perilous to our country and is, is, a, is a very sad and even sickening display of greed over our true national priorities. And Bill, could I just add, in terms of what you've asked about, uh, what can we do about this? Uh, that uh, effort to get support from the Congress is, is all the more necessary because every single one of those members of Congress in the Senate and in the House uh, has, in a likelihood at least, um, money invested in the thrift savings plan. So this is their money we're talking about, as well as um, men and women in uniform, past and present, veterans as well as uh, serving, uh, and other civilian government employees, as we said. This is of concern in two respects. One is, obviously, you don't want them aiding and abetting our mortal enemy, especially if the likelihood is, particularly in the case of the military, but maybe others, um, the result will be advanced weapons being acquired with that money with which to kill us. But the second thing is, Bill, and, and this is a point that Roger speaks to very powerfully, and that is the dangers of having the U.S. government, albeit in the form of this federal retirement thrift investment board, which oversees the thrift savings plan, but nonetheless, a federal agency legitimating investments in the kinds of Chinese companies that two presidents, not just Donald Trump, but Joe Biden as well, as Roger said, have in fact put down executive orders saying you may not invest in these companies, uh, these kinds of companies. And so it's really vital that we get this uh, turned off and right quick and uh, one of the ways we can do it is to get members well, of Congress. Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank I want to thank the two of you for bringing this to our attention. I mean, Frank, you and I have talked about it on our show. This is just yet another example of a so-called faceless bureaucrat uh, acting at the behest of I think the Chinese lobby to slip something through that I said at the outset sounds really boring. I mean, who cares about your mutual funds really? Nobody understands it. Um, Unfortunately, I do, and it and is a big problem, but it's innocuous. And we talked about this. We've got a bureaucrat at HHS who, 
who uh, wants to amend the uh, World Health Organization's uh, bylaws that would call all uh, all uh, all countries in the world at the time at the sign of a next pandemic to uh, obey the orders of the president of the World Health Organization. Talk some more about that was my gratuitous uh, editorial there. Great segue. But we need to focus on it. Talk some more about the influence that the Chinese have in the decision making uh, where people have relatives in China. I mean, the most the most startling example is Elaine Chao, whose family owns a shipping company in, in China. And if you want to know why Mitch McConnell is more silent on these Chinese issues than he, he should be, um, her, her family fortunes, it, it depends on the Chinese Communist Party. Well, there are two aspects to this, Bill. Um, the part that I was describing earlier was kind of uh, the coercive practice vis-a-vis Chinese nationals in our country to ensure that they not only tow the party line, but they serve the interests of uh, the party and uh, the People's Liberation Army and its intelligence services and so on. What, what you're talking about is the subject, of course, of a terrific book by our friend Peter Schweitzer yeah. called Red Handed. The Chinese term for it is elite capture. And there's a sort of coercive aspect to the, it. This is their, oh, it's clear. I want to make it clear. This is their well. term. This is their term. This is, this is an agenda. Exactly. And it's bipartisan in character. Joe Biden himself, of course, has been deeply compromised, I'm sorry to say. But there are people on both sides of the aisle, and Mitch McConnell's family, I think, is uh, is one of them, who have been doing business with the Chinese very lucratively. And it shows in their uh, refusal, in some cases, or at least their reluctance uh, to be seen as uh, opposing uh, the, the Chinese. Sometimes they'll um, in a small way, you know, express opposition to oh, genocide, for example. But uh, in the end, they're old friends of China. And that's true of Larry Fink on Wall Street, as well as people in government and academia and so many other walks of life. And I would just say, Bill, quickly to chime in there on Frank's good observation. You know, when you, where is the SEC in this? Are they a potted plant? Where is Treasury? Where is the National Economic Council run by uh, a former BlackRock executive? Treasury's number two run by a BlackRock executive. Uh, Jay Clayton used to be a Wall Street Journal, uh, uh, Wall Street uh, lawyer that brought Alibaba to market. Uh, Steve Mnuchin was very friendly uh, with the Chinese uh, then and now. The long and short of it is we've got a US government regulatory problem here this revolving door that we've known about forever is now imperiling the United States with multi-trillion dollar flows from a democracy, namely ours, to a totalitarian police state bent on our utter destruction, aided and abetted by greed-driven Wall Street firms and those conflicted US government regulators that look the other way at moments precisely like this one. Right. Roger, that sounds like a, a great summary for where we are. Now, I've got about 20 things on my list here to talk with you two about, but I promised you both I'd get you out of here in a half an hour, and alas, my time is up. Uh, Roger, where can we find you? What's the name of your firm, and what are your coordinates? Well, that's in flux right now, as I just fortunately was able to 
to sell my firm, but oh, I will liquidity be back, event. I love that. <laughs> I will be back to you on that matter. Okay, great. Well, that sounds like a successful exit. That's great. And Frank, I'm, I know where to find you, Security America on Real America's Voice. And, and, and what, what is our other channel that we're on uh, with our show? Uh, American Family Radio Network uh, is where the uh, the audio track of the shows that we have the privilege of uh, taping with you each week, Bill, uh, and others appear every weeknight at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, uh, the same time slot that uh, Real America's Voice video is uh, is aired. This has been the Bill Walton Show. I've been here with uh, Frank Gaffney and Roger Robinson talking about uh, why we do not want to invest in Chinese companies. Uh, but there's a lot of other things to dig into on the Bill Walton Show and the Frank Gaffney Show. And we hope you'll uh, tune in for our next uh, episodes to find out what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.